like my film, but you've unboxed things yourself, right? I think it's you make good on it. I think I started doing it just because there were there were people that liked the band and they liked the memories. And I just wanted to do a solid and make sure that uh, people didn't forget my friend. Um, you know, because we all want to feel like our life means something. If Mike were still alive, if you don't mind me asking this question, yeah, where do you think you would be? Uh, in my romantic head, um, I think that, you know, we became one of the greatest little bands on the planet. Welcome to Credit in the Straight World. This is season two, episode two, part two, with my friends, film director M. Nero Nava. He was in part one, and if you don't understand the beginning of part two, it pertains to us doing, well, both having lived in San Francisco and having left it. He left, he fled for Los Angeles, I fled for New York City. And on this episode, I decided to ditch my original part two because between part one and now, he's actually finished his feature length film and it's called Privacy. And I laid over in Los Angeles for um, a little under a day to get this podcast and also consult with him because he's uh, helping me with my film. But I got to talk to him um, in more detail about his finished product for his film because he wrote it and directed it. And I had so much questions because I finally watched it and it was amazing to see a fellow artist actually get this complete, such an epic project. And it's quite a feat to finish a feature film, whether you're somebody or not, or you got the money or you don't. And um, Nero falls into that zone of someone that doesn't have the moolah, but has the passion and the vision, much like myself, which is why I've been doing this podcast and meeting other and talking to other people like myself. So we crushed it in about an hour plus and uh, in his uh, bedroom in Los Angeles. And... We, I think, we're talking about working. I, I don't know how we got on this, but when we, when I pressed record, or when he pressed record, uh, we were talking about how awful Ellen would be as a to work with or work for, like production assistant, which is the kind of job near Nero might get stuck with. So if you're confused while well, that starts out, that's how it started out. Anyway. Um, look for the links in the the information slash bio parts because you can watch 
Nero's film, Privacy, it's rent, it's to be rented or purchased on Vimeo. And we talk about it in the podcast, but um, I highly recommend buying it because I had to watch it twice because it's an intimate film and I think um, the title speaks for itself. So without further ado, this is Credit in the Straight World, Credit in the Film World, with M. Nero Nava Part 2. Uh, which ones? The ones that everyone that's ever interned for her and is like, she's <laughs> right. fucking horrible. But when, like, I feel their pain because of, I imagine, like, it's not just like a celebrity, <laughs> it's a lesbian. Right. And they're a particular type of, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking of every lesbian I worked for and how mean they were. Right. Yeah. Can you and it, and the this how specific the um, it is to them. Um, can you think of <laughs> any specific incidents? Like, and you weren't being shady. You were like, "What's your on the first half of this podcast?" Yeah. yeah. Um, the you're like, "Who was that we worked for?" I was like, "Kathy." Oh right, 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 right. And she's a prime prime example, I would say. Yep. She was a she was a lesbian uh, store manager. Did she have it in for you or anything? She didn't like me. I don't yeah. know what it was. Usually, that's that's very lesbian. That it's like there's uh, when I worked at Virgin Mega Store, this woman Marina. I don't know if she was there when you were there. I don't remember. She her. managed the the third floor. Okay. Is that how they broke that up? Um, but she just didn't like me. I couldn't... Couldn't crack that nope, wall. Right from the very start. Yeah. And actually take cracks at me. But like my hair, like when I did it's her funny. blue. It's funny is uh, I was going to remark that Kathy used to remark about my hair. Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's a backhanded compliment. It was just like a flat out like insult. And you know, almost like... And I kind of have like like a tough... Like, you know, that kind of uh, gentleman, lesbian aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> I have that haircut. I have the haircut that they aspire to, you know. So it, I don't know. She didn't like it. That reminds me of, um, it maybe isn't quite the definition, but when um, I first moved to San Francisco, my roommate Aaron and uh, me and her she had some other gay friend that worked at urban outfitters with her i don't know if it was that was then like that was the character we she coined the term but anytime there was tension <coughs> between any kind of homosexual tension mm-hmm. like bad tension um she named homo tension <laughs> <laughs> so if a lesbian sees that you have a better lesbian haircut and you're a straight man i think that would qualify as homo tension it's understandable i get it I promise not to name this episode that, <laughs> but you never know. I might. <laughs> homo tension. Po- post punk, post homo tension. Um, so, this is the only second on location podcast I've done remote. Like, uh, oh, no, actually, the first half of this was remote. That was the first Zoom I ever did. And it sounded good. Yeah, it really did. And then, um, I decided to just do more. <laughs> I decided, you know, I just talked to my producers and was like, you know what? I just need a flight to Los Angeles mm-hmm. to finish part two of the podcast because 
um, the first one was so incredible, and <laughs> my management's like, yeah, how much do you need? So, um, do you remember what we ended on on the, f or how I edited it? I don't one. remember. I think it, I think it ended on tandem yoga. Oh yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, park. <laughs> <laughs> where do we go from there? A lot's happened since the tandem yoga incident. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and was, wait, that wasn't, okay. First of all, it's, this is also the anniversary of the, of COVID. It is. Like and and when I, was, I was with you when it started. Yeah. Yeah. We were making my film or working on it. Yep. And it was in that gray zone like that was it called was it called it wasn't called COVID yet it no. was corona right yeah and then you drove up or you took a bus yep you busted with sarah up to san francisco and i took an airplane and people in my office were like i don't think you should go out there and i was like you're crazy i'm an artist i gotta do this and then we watched this sort of decline in within San Francisco. In real time. In real time. Yeah. Do you remember when it, like, when it felt like it would, it went, for, like, it got darker than the, than before when you, like, left well, LA? They, they were using terms like lockdown, like things that we're accustomed to now. Um, they were using terms like lockdown and quarantine, things that, sound archaic that have never been said before about our country, let alone San Francisco. So it just felt like we were in one of those bad movies. Um, Which, yeah. And then oh. naturally LA is a little delusional. So when you get here, you're kind of like, everything's all right. Everything seems normal. It's just San Francisco being San Francisco. Little did we know they were just ahead of the curve. <laughs> <laughs> Then, uh, yeah. And I mean, where I mean, does that leave the people who are invested in things? Our movies. It, uh, say I a think community. Yoga was like a bad movie. Um, mm -hmm. Right. But you know. Like a, and and where movie. where does that lead people COVID, who leave those things? You know what I mean? Um, that was it was like five. Uh, four so I just think it's you know the the music thing. Your band is a conduit you know, the guide to, to that experience, you know, I'm not trying to sound cagey or precious or any of that. No, I just think you're meeting people that you've met your whole life. Um, and, um, you're going, okay. When we interview people, I'm like, Oh, I totally know. I have one of these people in my life. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? So when, when you're interviewing per someone, I'm like, oh, yep, so I have a person like that in my life. In a Bay Area way or in like in a musician way? Or a uh, I think in just like a human, like the human experience, you know what I mean? Right, so I, it's I, not just about... No, I don't think it's so micro about as in San Francisco. I don't even think it's so micro as in like late 90s, early 2000s San Francisco. I think things like dot com and rent prices and all that kind of shit is just vehicles 
for just, you know, the human experience that people change, times change. And I think we don't do a lot of unpacking of what happens when people are invested and they do, you know, how do I know tend to something or, or fuel something or feed something and then people leave it behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Uh, there's a plant that I, I, I had at my, my house, like when I was in my 20s. I gave it to my mom. This plant fucking flourished, right? It became huge. It was in a little pot. I bought it at Home Depot, and it became like the size of a whole fucking wall. It was these succulents. My mom sold her house, and she moved to another place. And I go, Mom, where's the plant? And she's like, oh, I just left it at the house. And I'm like, why would you do that? I took this plant. I watered it. I cared for it. You took it. You cared for it. And because you're moving, you're just kind of like, you're not, that's just not your obligation anymore. And she's like, yeah, because I moved. Fuck that place. So a lot of ways, I think of that's my experience with San Francisco and an experience that I've had in life. Even box things yourself, right? I think it's you made good I th- on it. I think I started doing it just because there were there were people that liked the band and they liked the memories, and I just wanted to do a solid and make sure that how many scenes are people didn't forget my friend. Maybe like you know, because we all want to feel like our life means something. If Mike were still alive, if you don't mind me asking this question, yeah, where do you think you would be musically? Um, uh, not COVID. I don't know. In, and in my, so you, you wrote uh, in my romantic head, um, um, what was your, I think that what, you know why we you became one of the greatest. What was your inspiration? <clears throat> little bands on the planet. Oh, I don't. I don't want to be. Um. That's a good question. It's about me. Um, uh, I'm always interested in human behavior. I'm always interested on why people do what they do. I'm interested on people's secrets, uh, what gets people off, what they hide. And I just thought it would be interesting. Since we all have that, I thought it would be interesting to me. If, if we just kind of took a walk through the world and saw everyone's little secret, you know, like a little microcosm of that kind of thing. Did you come up with the name Privacy, which is the title before? Mm-hmm. Did you approach it, you start writing it with that as the title, or did that come to you after? I think that came to me pretty you know what? I wrote it completely in chronological order, and I, I knew how it was going to end, and I knew all the storylines. It just kind of fell in, and somewhere in the opening scene, I thought to myself, what is enabling this to happen? Because they're in a public place, and I said, uh, what would be interesting is like there are two people in public looking for privacy. I'm shocked that you picked a title that sounds like a movie title and it hasn't been taken. I know. You know? Yeah, it's weird. Because I was like, that's a great name for a film. 
but surely that's taken, but I can recall no film named that. Nothing major anyway, but that in itself was a feat. That's why oh, I was you. asking, like, that's that's, huh. that's the accomplishment. Huh. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Um, and then what, what, was that the idea of privacy? Was that the reason to pick three storylines to mix in? Um, yeah, and I, I wanted to do like, like a like a relay race of of uh, private private things, and also I always try to look at um, that whole like uh, Mike Nichols thing. Is it a conflict, a seduction, or uh, uh, or a confession, or whatever whatever the three is? I always forget, and I just wanted them all to kind of have that push and pull of. Uh, not knowing exactly where the, these interactions are going. When you was it easy to cast the people for this, or did you have people in mind? Because I know you'd been making shorts, and I'd recognized at least one yeah. actor or actress. Uh, from Julia, yeah. um, she was in Rest, another one one word title. Julia was in Rest, and I. I knew that she was going to be it just because I love love her as an actor. I just think she's really great, and um, I I just I gave her the script and I was like, pick whoever you want to be. Oh wow! And I can make it work, and I know that you can make it work. Uh, after that, um, I have a relationship with uh, Stella Adler Acting Academy, so I'm always there, cruising around the halls. Uh, you know, when it was open and looking for cool actors. And Julia recommended Carlo, who is in the second scene and then in the final scene. Um, and then the other ones, we just did castings. We just did a plain old LA casting. And Sarah, um, our AD, Taryn, was supposed to read uh, the Rochelle part. That's the girl in the park reading a book. Mm -hmm. She was she was supposed to come in, and Sarah and I were going to look at each one of them, but she she wasn't available that day. So Sarah had to read. And Sarah's not an actor, you know, and Sarah had to read with three different guys playing Tony, the guy with the dog in the park. And I know this all sounds vague. I, I you know I don't want to host your show, but it's important to like <laughs> know who these characters are because they're very distinct in the scene. Right. Plus, yeah. you're you're dealing with three different. Stories tied yeah. into yeah. one, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I wait. So what you're? Oh, let me finish one thought. Um, so then Mandy, who is in the threesome scene, and um, I haven't done a lot of nude scenes. I've worked in fashion and seen people like naked and stuff, but I've never like sat down and like choreographed like what a sex scene is going to look like or whatever. And I didn't know if I had the skill set to work with an actor and make them feel comfortable like that. And Mandy's actually a burlesque dancer and a like performer. And I figured that she can teach me some things and then I can follow her lead with her confidence. And she totally was that person. Oh, cool. Because she had no problem. She had no problem. The, the two guys, both handsome guys, they're fit. They were just like, Okay, what do we do? And Mandy was like, "Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting undressed. First, first shot of the movie. Let's do it." 
That's funny because it sounds like the character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and she, that versus that's what it sounds yeah. like. She didn't read for it. She came in and I was like, hey, will you, uh, would you be against, and she doesn't have a lot of film experience. I said, would you be against this? This is your scene. And she's like, oh, this sounds great. Let's do it. So that energy really made the actors, the two male actors feel that way, feel a little off guard. The, it's interesting because you have a, you're working with a, not that every, I, I almost would have expected that um, everyone would be the same age, in, like likely, but you're dealing with like, like the first guy in the mm -hmm. opening scene. Mm -hmm. um, do you find a difference in working with older actors versus younger? Any difference? Um, a little bit. I mean, he had, Mark had, uh, he had habits, you know, like any actor would, but he had a little bit more habits. He also had different thoughts about coverage, like what, what he thought he could bring. Um, and he was working with Mandy, who was the most inexperienced actor. And uh, they seemed to gel. But yeah, everyone's, everyone's different age, different race, different skill set. Um, I thought that part of the feat would be if, if, if it could be harmonious, you know, if they could all play together. The I I just found a um old videotape of like me uh, directing a like a short scene mm -hmm. like in a in a directing actor's class, and I w I realized I was the only pr I did women and children first from Torch Song tr trilogy. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, completely forgot I did this, and I I was the only person who worked with an older actor. Interesting. And um. I remember it already, it shifted everything in the class when she came in because you're like, whoa, there's a woman that's, she ha she was like in her 70s, like her late 70s. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, and I, I forgot until I watched it, but I remember being like, the and the actor was a much younger guy. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember like from her, her, um, her best credential is she played a nun in Prince of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I remember being like, not that you, your actors know when you're that age, but the, uh, I would have to be, well, could you, um, how about take, like, can we redo the, the, uh, the beginning of the scene? She's like, what? What? <laughs> I was like, Did oh man. <laughs> like wow i have to like talk louder because she like she's hard of hearing oh okay yeah no it i was like i never thought about that and i know the actor being a younger actor was challenged because he'd never you could tell he never i i think he's he'd never acted with someone mm -hmm. of that age and uh anyway it, it worked out great but uh but I, I hadn't seen it in it so long i thought like oh this is great you don't often see um, unless I'm like my my mind is just biased to it. I don't I don't often see um, in a indie culture or um, I guess film. I'm always thinking in film school terms. Like mm -hmm. you never see the an older and younger 
a person. I mean, in LA, it's particularly tough. Um, I had one time I was doing a short and I wanted to cast an older woman. And I mean, no one wanted, <laughs> the casting call was not that deep because no one wanted to admit to being an older woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, I don't want to do, I don't want to play a person my age. It's going to take, you know, people are going to think I'm old. And, um, you know, a guy, an, a male actor isn't going to have that problem, but a female actor would. Did you ever hear, um, I was going to bring up later, do, um, do you know who Polly Platt is? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. I Polly Platt. I didn't, I just listened to this entire podcast. Oh, you must remember this. Yeah. Did you hear, listen to it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it was amazing. But that whole, like, having to lie for age, and she's not even on camera. She's just all behind she's just production mm -hmm. design and having to mm -hmm. lie about her age which is crazy mm -hmm. <clears throat> that you'd have to deal with that but it did make me think of like is that necessary but it it is different it's a different necessity for women i suppose yeah i think in my script one of the characters uh mandy's character is supposed to be like in her late 40s and I just really, that's that weird spot that no one, that most actresses don't, they don't want to play someone in their 40s. Whether they're Even if they're, right. Right, you know what I mean? No matter, yeah. So that was an obstacle, and that was another reason why it was important to find someone who's like, I don't give a shit. Did you write any, or any, is any of this from experience or any of these characters based on people that um that you know or some of them are stories that i heard and i kind of meshed them together um there's there's definitely um passages in there that are from people's real lives me be it me or like uh eliza helped me um write some stuff too and uh, uh just having conversations too you know, I, you try not to mine people's lives when you're talking to them. But, like, you know, a friend of mine had a scenario when she was on her break at work. And I've always thought that was such a weird and fascinating story. So I, I, I did contact her and I said, hey, I'm going to kind of retell that story that happened to you in the park. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put my own twist on it. And she was like, yeah, go for it. So, you know, you try not to mine people's lives, but you're always collecting data, too. It seemed effective because I think I only, I'm going to watch it again. I only watched it once. Mm -hmm. But um, I think someone commented something like that in your Instagram thread mm. about it being real, for lack of mm -hmm. uh, descriptors. Um, because then I, I actually tried to watch it. I've been trying to watch it, but I knew I had to be in a certain zone to yeah, watch. It's, it's not a. It's, it's it can be. It's funny, but it's not like a fun movie. It's definitely for families, right? <laughs> it's definitely for families. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you see, like, who do you see picking this up? ABC Family. ABC <laughs> Family, Hallmark. Um. <laughs> um the O network, 
After Hours Cinema, uh, Cinemax, <laughs> Showtime, USA Up All Night. Yeah. Somewhere between Hallmark and USA Up All Night. I, I see. So... <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, in my mind I'm saying Rhonda Shearer. Is that her name? Announce I think it. that's her name. She's like USA, here's another wacky USA up all night <laughs> or Gil, Gilbert Godfrey, whichever you prefer. Yeah, he's a half whack. So how if I mean if you were to I was gonna tell you to sort of sum to give it uh to pitch it, but. Let's start with, I mean, actually, like, speaking by networks, like, what network would you put this under? Oh, seriously? Mm-hmm. Um, Just as a way to genreify it before you get into, like, yeah. how you would pitch it. Well, we did those, um, we did those uh, uh, teasers. Teasers. Mm-hmm. It was, like, Vanguard Cinema. I can't remember. Was that Cinemax, I think? I think so. Yeah. And that was, like, everything from, like, Smoke Signals to, uh, uh, like, a Jim Jarmusch movies uh, to, like, weird documentaries um, uh, to Pedro Almodovar. I, p- I paid homage to you with um, Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. <laughs> or Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Um, yeah, I saw it kind of in that vein where it's half art house um, have fun, you know? I want you to be able to, like, eat popcorn and then also be entertained and then kind of go, oh, that's fucked up. I was eating popcorn when I watched <laughs> it. And oh, I thank took, you. Yeah, no, completely. That, that warms my heart, actually. Yeah. I put mochi crunch in it because I'm from Hawaii. Oh, so is too, it? Okay. Like, Al can tell you. But um, that whole... Di- when you finished, did you decide to put it into those zones, or was that a zone you always thought, like, kept in mind doing what you do? You know, this sort of era that you spoke, like, Vanguard, and for... I mean, my first band was called Barbara Steele, because she's a scream queen and, like, in trash cinema, but she was also in Eight and a Half. So that's always kind of been my artistic northern star without sounding pretentious so that's just exactly where my taste level is and then was it when you were done you were like oh this were you sort of like inventing teasers and trailers as you went along or did you finish and decide like this is the way like that's you sort of make that your your you campaigned your film or Mm -hmm. this way Mm -hmm. um was that the intent all along yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. And uh uh not to sound pretentious, but like if you watch the um if you watch the Valentine's ver- cut, I call it that has the movie trailers before it. Mm-hmm. It's partly like uh, I really hate to say this, but there's be- there's no better way to say it. Um it's kind of like educating the viewer like this is what you're about to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, we had an Italian teaser where I'm like it's kind of neorealism. I, I wish. And then we had the Vanguard Cinema. It's kind of art house, kind of trash. I hope, you know, or like, this is like a music video teaser. You know what I mean? Just so that someone's like, 
okay, what is this? What is this? So I already told you everything that it is. So don't overthink it. Don't feel awkward. Just like, you know, all, you know, all the elements now. The because I mean, like, how else am I going to market it? No one's going to write about it before. No one cares. Right. You, right. you know what I mean? Oh, I so know. <laughs> that's, that's my audience. So yeah, I me don't too. fucking care. Uh, no one cares. <laughs> so no one knows. I mean, and my friends personally, you know, they know me, but I'm like, I re you really have to like entertain your friends because they're already walking in saying like, fuck, okay, well, okay, one day, okay, fuck, it's what, 70 minutes of my life, okay, I'll watch it to be a good friend. So like, I'm thinking like, you saw that, you liked that post on Instagram because you were attracted to it, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. So it's like, that's the only way you could market it and, and advertise your artwork at this point. It was different when, like, you got a review in uh, the SF Guardian or, like, the Examiner or the Chronicle or something, and, and then your friends are like, oh, wow, he's really doing something. Now I'm going to listen. It legitimizes yeah. it. Interesting. Um, do you... Well... And I'm basically illegitimate, so... <laughs> <laughs> It's actually exactly like getting people to come see your band. Yeah. So what? what's harder, getting someone to... I mean, you don't really know what people think. Or it, is it harder to get someone to watch your film or harder to get them to come see your band? And it's about the same. It would take at least 30 minutes to get to the venue mm -hmm. and pay a ticket price mm -hmm. and a 45-minute set. So mm -hmm. it's very similar. Mm -hmm. um, what, what do you prefer... What seems harder, easier to do, or like um, convince people to do? On the marketing tip, uh, or advertising it, it's harder for me to walk up to a friend or a stranger and say, hey, you should come see my band, because people have seen bands before. And they're like, oh yeah, you're gonna say it starts at 11, you're gonna go on at midnight. I'm gonna, <laughs> you're gonna say I'm on the list, I find out I'm not on the list. <laughs> You, then you give me a drink ticket, and then I got to stand in line for 40 minutes to buy a drink from... It's not always a good night. So when I would play music, I would try to be like, this is going to be the best $10 you've ever spent in your life. Like, I'm going to have a costume change. I'm going to... There's going to be an intro tape. This is going to be like you're seeing a real band. You know what I mean? Like a real show. And um, it was always hard to get them in the door. But with the movie you can show them all these teasers and may you you have different angles to work on them to get them to watch but at the same time they don't have to leave their house they don't have to leave their bed they're like no nah, i'm gonna watch the fucking uh uh woody allen and mia farrow psycho documentary you know what i mean no i'm gonna watch the vow i'm no i'm gonna watch fucking whatever so yeah. you're competing with like the whole galaxy so it's I may can I just intervene and tell you that sure. I watched the Woody and Mia uh -huh. documentary after I watched Privacy. <laughs> you know, it's kind of on brand. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of you I may needed like that before. The, yeah, the, the you may like thing. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of similar in that way. But you know, I putting your movie out there is so weird because you're putting yourself out there. But when you um, when you perform a show, if it's not going well, if it's not going well, I can 
look in the audience and feel it and I, I'm like, okay, I have to make a change or I have to adjust it. Like you, you can feel the audience whether you're losing them. But when you put it out in the ether and someone's like, hey, congratulations on finishing a movie. You're like, okay, that person didn't like it. Okay, okay, better luck next. <laughs> and then someone tells you they like it, then you're like, wow, they must really like it. They actually watched it. Mm. Where it's like, you know, you walk into work the next day and someone's like, hey, I went to your show last night. And you're like, oh, I didn't see you there. That's cool, thank you. And that's it. And you're like, okay, okay, they didn't like it. All right, fine. So it's a weird power, it's a weird power thing. Yeah, I, th I we talked about this in the first time, and I know it was like that that moment when you when you're playing. I can't, I can't remember how that why this came up, and that um. You're waiting for the moment that you're gonna put that whatever, whether it's a lyric or something. You're looking for the moment, but you can see that it it was a complete fail, yeah. and you have to um deal with it mm -hmm. like that, and then. Uh, I guess look for your next moment, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, what is a movie on the flip side? What is a movie but just a series of moments? Yeah. Um, I actually remember the, we also discussed this last time and you were like, I edited that part out because it made me look bad. You said that I, <laughs> <laughs> you said, <laughs> like, you. I often think that, uh, like, I often think that, uh, one way or like it's against me but it's like i usually you do that a lot because like sometimes you're right what 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 happened you said something like like something when i'm like well that's what this person thought i mean i'm like well you think that i'll you think that a lot and then you're oh yeah you're yeah, saying yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm wrong yeah. um you said but sometimes you're right sometimes you're wrong um and uh i didn't edit it out i just didn't i I, we're doing this live instead in Los Angeles, but the, I'm going to retrace all those things because okay. I like the, I remember all the highlights. Um, but when I I remembered when I thought you didn't hate me because I was talking about how I thought you hated me. Yeah, okay. which you didn't. Yeah, so yeah, did not. I, yeah, I was wrong. You were wrong. Yeah, but you look like you hated me, and I'm right. If anybody You're else, probably correct about that. Yeah, yeah, right. You even said. Yeah, you present like a uh, management lesbian vibe, you know? So I'm just going to assume you didn't. I think you mean a um, uh, uh, lesbian management superior haircut vibe. <laughs> I think that's what you mean. Which is called homo tension. But it, we had homo tension, and mm -hmm. it was me mm -hmm. as being a homo. But you were at a show I played, and then you were like, oh, you played a good set or something. Mm -hmm. He said that to me at Amiibo, and I was like, oh, did he just compliment me? I'm I, sure it was good. Yeah, I, yeah. No, it was. I think it was. I think it was. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> that was like a, I was a two, it was two, I tried a Sleater Kinney thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. It, it worked until I moved to New York. Um, back to privacy, though, I was like, how would you, how would you I'm sorry pitch it no no not, don't apologize I, I want to get that out there but the the I think we talked about this in part one but it was we're talking about pitching and how pitching is like mm -hmm. like you you just did it you didn't no one taught it to you mm -hmm. right and then for me like I'm good at it mm -hmm. but it's a it's a it's not any, not everyone can do it 
It's almost like improvisational comedy or something. Yeah. Because you just have to believe what you're saying and, and reduce and, it to... And play to your audience. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not... Com- even though it's kind of what I do for a living, I'm not comfortable coming up with phrases to sell my own art. And I think that was part of uh, all the internet stuff that we did, that it was like... Uh, so over the top because I just felt embarrassed trying to pitch my movie, like the idea. So that's why it's like the insatiable, you know, all that kind of stuff, like uh, impassioned lives. Like I didn't, I I don't feel comfortable um, doing it. But since you put me on the spot, um, I think it's about people trying to negotiate their private lives and what the public expects of them. Public being their family, the, peop- the people they love, people they have relationships with. On, on being that person for them, but also being someone else for themselves. Because then you ask, well, who am I? Or who are you? Right. Yeah. I'd watch that movie, and I did. Oh, thank you. But it, it did read that way. Okay, Because it was like... Um, I think I think every character has a conversation with someone where they're pretending to be someone else and they're being them their true selves. Yeah. Each character has that. I th- it maybe every so I think like everyone would see something of themselves in it, which I th- guess would be that's the point. But that's mm-hmm. why it's such a great title because it's such like so general and it um, I don't know. There are like times where I'm like, "Oh God, I, s- I think I see myself in that character, mm-hmm. and they're they're awful." Or I see mm-hmm. like uh, someone I don't trust yeah, oh, yeah. for my own life. Yeah. And I, but I did see. Of course, there's like the good parts to it too. Where I was like, sure. "Oh, that reminds me of this. That is totally my friend, so and so." And I wonder. It made me think. I wonder if this is what their their things are i um i don't know i don't i try not to judge i do too i i even my own character i mean i i sounds pretentious but i like all my characters i don't always like their behavior if that makes any sense yeah well that's why i don't know if you're the same way i have like so many different kinds of runs and Mm -hmm. i don't they don't all get along for because of that because they're so varied yeah um but i know from how like i know the reason why a lot of them don't get along is Mm -hmm. because they don't like they they see somebody they they hold people they hold people's guilt against them Mm -hmm. you know without Mm -hmm. even being Mm -hmm. sure what the guilt part is Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's very much like your characters. It just... I mean, if I could sound a little more pretentious, I mean, we all have, like... We all have friends, right? And then we have friends that we don't want in the same room. Maybe because it reflects parts of ourselves that we don't want our other friends, friends to know, know about. about. Yes. You know, um, 
it's it's why people it's a big deal when you meet your partner's family or something you know what I mean because they've known you forever all your facades are gone so sometimes your friends know certain parts of you and not other parts in XYZ so uh, I wanted to put all those parts of myself and things that I've learned and people I know in one room when you one room being a movie right well on that what was it so I can tell only because you told me mm -hmm. or because uh I see it mm -hmm. as an editor type mm -hmm. edit editing mind mm -hmm. like um using your limitations to create multiple dimensions yes literally or like change like having to make do with um lo limited locations mm -hmm. or what's in your budget and what's mm -hmm. not because i remember we were at when we were filming for my documentary and mm -hmm. we were at Folsom area mm -hmm. you were scoping you were trying to find a place that would pass as like a bar mm -hmm. to create this sort of uh, mm -hmm. like a sex club mm -hmm. um can you talk about using your limitations as it applies to location. Location specifically? Like, yeah, creating a, an entire scene or adjusting, maybe maybe you adjusted the, had to in fact adjust the script, right. like the location in the script in right. order to get the location done. Yeah. Um, if that happened at all, I'm just Oh, it does, it did, it does. Um, well, here, here's a real simple one. So when we, when we staged this the sex club we sarah and i and uh jason jp braxton who helped out on the soundtrack we had a different idea of what the sex club would look like and by the way sarah green is dp uh, the DP, dp yeah which stands for <laughs> director of photography thank you yes yeah, cinematographer <laughs> so um we had kind of a different idea of what it was going to look like we thought it was going to be like more whips and chains and kind of like gothy people in like a nightclub kind of setting. Something more akin to like the power exchange meets something kind of cool and beautiful, you know. But because it was because it's COVID, mm -hmm. we said, fuck, how are we going to get all these people in a room um, and have them stand closer than six feet? So... I uh, I was like, well, we need them to wear masks because that's the rules. Why don't we have them wear full masks? And that choice, that limitation created an interesting artistic choice. And now like uh, the little iconography of the movie, there's masks on everything. And then I was like, oh wait, having a mask is like a big theme in the movie. Like everyone's putting on and taking off a mask. So that limitation spawned like a deeper meaning to the movie that I didn't know was there before. And that was purely out of necessity, but it hatched something. Yeah. So I love those things. I mean, it's a micro budget movie. And I love that because um, I guarantee if you gave me a million dollars, I may have not have thought of that. Right. Yeah. So that's using your limitations to your it's the best, best. it's the best um i i was talking about that with 
Sarah, I don't know if I talked about it directly with you. I mean, we've already, obviously, my film is nothing but limitations. It's been. It's a triumph over limitations. <laughs> that is, that would be your tagline. What is it? A triumph <laughs> over limitations. Okay, I like. <laughs> me and my friend Cynthia Declaris, we just sort of say freight train, freight train. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. like it's just mm -hmm. peeling through and wheels flying off. Yeah, it has that too. But I don't. I'm still not sure about this. So in my my COVID moment, where I couldn't. Because for me, um, since I'm filming everything, like I can't stage. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could technically, mm -hmm. but I can't stage a documentary. So when I get to when I was we were you were filming actually in uh, you're filming in California. Mm -hmm. You're filming at um, a scene. So you. It was at my mom's house. And that was the sex club. No, the sex club is here in this apartment. So was that, so whatever scene you were filming at your mom's that place? Was, my parents have three acres of land in Isleton. They're, they have a little house. So what scene is that? So that's the park scene. Okay, cool. So um, originally I was like, oh, fuck, where am I going to find a park? And then I was like, oh, well, we'll just fly the actors to the Bay Area because my parents have a big front yard. Which was a better idea, right? Oh, Yen? way better right? idea. Because like, you'd have Because my mom is like making paella for the actors. <laughs> and like, you know, we used her dog. And the dog like nailed it in one take. Um, oh, that was your mom's dog? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, Who's credited in the film. Yes, he is. Yeah. Bosco. And uh, 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 so that's another one of those things that I... I, I I would have been an idiot and tried to get a park, you know? When you were doing that, my thing was I had to film, I did an interview with Anna, but there, my problem was like, how do I dodge the mask thing? Mm -hmm. So the interview was maskless and that was fine. Mm -hmm. But I also didn't wasn't sure if like, because the film was about the nervous breakdowns, like the whole idea of like the, like a pandemic, you know, echoes of nervous course. breakdowns. So it's like, well, is it on brand or is it dating the, you know? I was worried about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we both talked to Sarah about that. But you used it to your advantage. I mean, you like to put a mask on a mask. Yes. And you went, you used art to mask yeah. it, you know? But I couldn't artistically. Well, let's, I'll say this. So, I mean, we went overboard. There was a point where we had a teaser that I never put out of um, Erica, who plays the mime in the in the in the park, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, where it's like she takes off her like COVID mask and it's like privacy, taking it all off <laughs> this Valentine's Day. And I was like, you know what? I think people are gonna just think that's funny and not get like <laughs> the the art of it. I I almost went there with it, like fully embraced, mm. embraced it. Are you glad you didn't, or do you know yet? Uh, you know, it's an artistic choice. I think I'm glad I didn't. Um, I haven't. I'm not there yet. But I have my thing is I've when uh, Charlene arrives. I'm sure 
mm-hmm. you know about this, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure when she's going to get there. And the whole point is just to retrace the steps of mm-hmm. um, going from the lesbian barbecue at and then up uh-huh. to Castro. And I just wanted to interview her and say, what happens here? Do you remember when we get to this bar? Yeah. And I, like that was on my mind. Like I was like, I have to do this. The, like I did the walking thing with Tootsie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to echo that. But then she was adamant about wearing a mask like right. hardcore right which is fair but then i'm like fuck i don't know if this is and then sarah filmed it mm-hmm. so when i mentioned it to her later she, i was like i'm not sure if i can if i can use it mm-hmm. not should but can mm-hmm. you know what i mean because mm-hmm. i just don't want to ruined i didn't want to date it either i didn't want to date my movie either you know and you didn't no so but you disguised it I disguised yeah, it. Yeah, which is cool. Although there is one, uh, I'm I make I make a bunch of cameos in the movie, but <laughs> because you know what the we're just the crew is three Been people. Been there, done yeah. that, yeah. Um, and I'm wearing a mask in my scene because this is just a gorilla shot, and I'm I'm in a mask, and a COVID mask. Well, you've obviously you're. Yeah. You're everything on my film, like same right. You but you'll probably end up masked in my film at some point. There's Maybe. yeah. Um, but like I'm actually here for you to consult me creatively about my film mm-hmm. anyway. But what would you do with that scene, having not seen it? I would uh, because it's the only. I think it's the only time that COVID is yeah. present in there. I can't remember what that shot looks like. I would just try to crop out the masks and, and kind of mirror the shot from Folsom Street Fair, where it's just kind of, you don't see anyone's head. You just kind of see their shoulders to their ass, like if it's possible to do that. Or if not, you just would, ha- I would, you know, us just talking shop, maybe like just blur it. Or, you know, own it. But I just think that like, let's try not to own it. Let's try to, Let's try to elevate it. <laughs> Did you just come up with that? Let's try to elevate it? Uh, I think so. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. 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 It's a good film professor talk. All right. I'll, but it's not even about, I guess it's not about looking at it. Yeah. I'll see if I can crop it. It's, or it's just an artifact. I thought of it that way too, because I was really annoyed that I was in the scene, because I was in the scene just to distract the man at the hotel desk long enough for Sarah and Mandy to get the shot. Uh, so I'm like asking the guy about his kids and like, oh, I, may, I may get a room. Hmm, let me think. What are the accommodations here? You know, and I'm wearing a mask. And I, I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, fuck, guys, you got me in the shot. And they were like, well, it's the shot, man. And um, I was like, you know what? I'll just own it. Own it. It's just a timestamp. Now, if someone notices that, they'll just go, oh, weird, COVID. And I'm just hoping that people just like, you know, after they recover, they're just like, oh, weird, this was shot during COVID. I mention it at the end of the movie only so I don't like, that I'm not like judged (laughs) by people who, you know, I have a new movie and there's a bunch of maskless people. I just wanted people to know that I was responsible and like, and it could be done. Not like saying, give my movie a pass because I shot it during COVID. But I was more like, hey, man, like, you could shoot a movie during COVID. I mean, I think, I I mean, what if this but is... But I like didn't a, want it to be a COVID movie. We talked yeah, about this. Yeah. Yeah. No. 
No. No. Just think about 10 years from now, how many bad movies are going to be COVID art. We talked about this before. I'm just like, I see it on the horizon. I feel it, the vibrations in the world Yeah, of, no. of COVID art. I mean, I think we talked about this the first week of yeah. COVID, right? Yeah. Like that was, yeah. I was not scared of COVID as much as it was COVID-related art, right? Because we got like, we've... We, um, we just finally picked up the pieces from fucking bad 9-11 art. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah. Which was, we touched on that on the other one, the other, like, our for initial. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was able to get the, um, let's see. Are you pulling up something? Yes. No, not. <laughs> Cry. <laughs> Here. To the floor. My brother, I love you. oh god i know she meant well she meant well but But that there i was there is no excuse for bad art no under any circumstance under attack from (laughs) germs under attack from terrorists our own country 5g i don't care what you think about it never okay you actually just said it as if, like, you, it's almost like you echoed it from, like, <laughs> art. Like, like, 5G, 6G, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Sit here, here <laughs> on the floor. My brother, I love you. <laughs> and then sometimes I was like, whatever happened to her? But I think I just answered that. That's yeah, what happened to her. That's what happened like, to her. And I, you, you, deserve, you deserve to lose your career for bad art, right? I mean, man, if you want to go out doing a bad poetry, <laughs> a bad poem, that's that's on you. It reminds me, even Bold though move. if I, <laughs> and it's not, but, and this may be because I'm traumatized from working at Virgin Megastore, yeah. but I worked when they live screened Jewel reading A Knight of Armor. Oh, good. And I was working, it was like a special event, I was like... Wow, this is fucking horrible. Oh my god! And people showed up like just to watch it Mm. on the big TV screens in the Virgin Mega Store. But it's that sounds like a poem that came out of that book, Mm -hmm. and she actually kind of sounds like Jules' speaking voice. So it's 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 confusing me. Um, Have you seen any COVID art yet? I mean, what you define as that, or is it remains to be seen since it's still happening? Or is there, pre- is there COVID art happening 
and what we actually fear is post-COVID art. Well, I'm actually working, and this isn't a plug, but it just came up. I'm working on a project called the Decameron Project um, that one of the people I know from Stella Adler put together. And it's about making art during COVID. And a lot of them are like Zoom plays and shit, and it's really hard to get through those things. So it's supposed to expand our audience, uh, our, our way of thinking about art in COVID and trying to, f and, you know, stay creative, but also make good shit with all the limitations. Coming back to the limitation theme. So it's about like casting two roommates and saying like, okay, what, what can we do with two people who are in their own bubble? Or how do we, how do we shoot a monologue and make it interesting, you know? It's that kind of thing. Um, and I think because it's so bad, I mean, like you can't even watch the news and it's always like someone has their mute on and it's just everything is bad because of COVID. Everything yeah. is bad. And I'm afraid that it'll stay. You know, I'm afraid that talk shows will always do things via Zoom now. Right. Imagine if Lily Sobieski did that poem on Zoom. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't <laughs> be as good. It'd be nowhere near as good. No, plus it get it would be released everywhere. Yeah, it's actually incredibly hard to find that that clip. I now. know. Remember yeah. that one day we were looking for it, we couldn't yeah. find it. <laughs> and it's funny because in this situation, it isn't because you know powerful people are trying to hide it. It's actually she's probably. She's probably spent her whole life trying to delete this, mm -hmm. this, uh, this poem. Bill Gates. <laughs> um, I have you have. What about bad? Well, I was on a. Oh, I doubt they're gonna listen to this, but I I did a. Uh, I did this because of San Francisco and how bad it. I did this on purpose, so I did a. Um, um, it wasn't a live performance. I had to pre-record a 20-minute performance, mm -hmm. and it was four musicians mm -hmm. from San Francisco mm -hmm. would submit. Um, well, they asked me, so I was like, who am I to turn this down? But I did it while I was in Hawaii, and um, I wasn't sure what was going on. I was like, I, what I wanted to do was sort of do like a 20 minute set that was like the first EP that I recorded mm -hmm. and do it like one man on a guitar. Mm -hmm. Cause Julian Hatfield's been doing it. And I was like, mm -hmm. this is really interesting to make something so loud, just be you and a guitar. So I tried it, um, tried to edit it and then send it to them. So what they did was they took everyone's performances, made a lineup and then you had to zoom in mm -hmm. and then they, they showed it on Twitch. Oh, okay. And um, Lisa was watching. Uh -huh. um, I think she. Oh, she was live. She like she was in New York, so she was right. like I was three hours behind. She was three hours ahead of it, and it was happening in San Francisco. Well, it wasn't happening. But as soon as everyone came on screen, I was like, "Oh, fuck! <laughs> what have I gotten myself into?" And I think you know. Yeah that music I'm talking about mm -hmm. that that room you know 
things have changed in San Francisco, but that has it. Do you know oh, what I'm talking about? Yeah, Those yeah. musicians who yeah. like, yeah. So it was like two couple, like two of them were couples. Also, I can't deal. What is with the sensation of couples playing music? I hate couple bands. Yeah. And um, except for Quasi, but they got divorced. So oh, that's okay. different, right? And uh, then this other thing was something, so-and-so's band. It was, it was like a blues band. And it was like three people in their like, like these th- three people in their 60s. Why haven't I seen this? Um, because uh, it's called privacy, <laughs> right? Privacy, the performance. <laughs> but Lisa was like, she came in on it. Like, but what I did, speaking of, you know, Zoom, I completely, I was like, well, but you had to watch everyone's performance, yeah. which is nuts. So um, I'm sure everyone muted minds, but I muted theirs. <laughs> but as soon as I didn't, I did. I was had Lisa on another line. I was like, dude, what? She was like, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. And one of the couples put something in it. It was like, it was crazy edited. It mm-hmm. looked like something from an 80s mall that you'd pay for the video or something. And she was doing these like, she was singing and like doing like vocal runs that she was incapable of doing. It was crazy because you're like, wait, I respect you. However, however, where the thirtieth time you miss the note you think you're hitting, yeah. I have to question what you're doing here. Right. And secondly, then we do it like interviews after our thing, mm-hmm. and here I am trying to like pitch my art and like I'm working on this film and it's about San Francisco and everyone's just like up their own, you know, into yeah. their own shit. Yeah. And um, she says, oh, it, he says, oh, what was everyone's plans before COVID or how did it affect it? And two people were like, oh, we were. We were going to tour Katana. I was like, what are you talking? No, that's impossible. There's no way. I've never gone on tour. You're fucking going on tour. There's no, there, it's absolutely no way. So then I think like, well, what is your version of touring? And where on earth would someone pay to hear that? <laughs> and to go another country and do it? Like, but I mean, have you tried to like even order a pizza like during COVID? <laughs> They're like, I'm sorry, due to COVID, we're going to give bring it tomorrow. You're like, wait, but this has got to stop. Like the excuses and like, the, you know, I was going to be heavyweight champion of the world, but then COVID happened. It's like, you were not, you were not going to. Right. That's hilarious. Well, not, I mean, that could be, uh, that could be interpreted as, um, well, COVID art, but um, using COVID to fake your artistry yes. is another, that's what's happening. See? Right. Right? Yeah. Like, Ex- a, like a faux handicap uh, <laughs> via, you know, uh, COVID. Yeah. Well, now I'm just like, now I'm extra creeped out. I'm like <laughs> the possibilities now. But I did do a remote concert in a sense, but I pre-recorded it. Okay. And mixed it. Okay. I think it came out good. But um, as Lisa said, is that permanently on the internet? And I was like, <laughs> I think it is. It's on Twitch. Wow. Um, uh, thankfully, Twitch will probably not permanently be on the internet, though. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Well, that's my only hope, right? And I bet you if I put on... I mean, I've never, I've never used this one before. It was a good concept. I just don't, you know, I only have muted blame for it. 
Lala is trying to find his thing on Twitch. Only when Sarah clicks on the eye. Okay. Wow, these are just bad. And it's not even the one that I was on. That's the one you see from the... Um, oh, wow, it's too early. Okay. Why is this clip only 30 seconds? That is a short song. This is another couple. He likes what? Oh, my favorite. I'm going to start a My podcast. favorite. The, I, apparently now everyone, like, well, anyone could do a podcast, but it yeah. reminds me, of, there are other things like this where people are like, oh yeah, me too. I'm going to do that too. I was like, great. Well, erase the two years I've spent doing this and like the limitations <laughs> I have. So that clip is just me saying like, I was saying to mostly this guy I'm interested in because he runs this whole thing and he yeah. does radio shows and he's like, I think, God, if I could barely get through that and he's been doing these every two weeks, yeah. even though he's doing it with a smile on his face, I'm sure yeah. he's a... Uh, he's a diehard. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just trying to ask him like, oh, that would be an interesting interview to interview somebody that has to do interviews and mm -hmm. push through things that he has no control over. Right. And the minute I start talking about it, then she's like, I want to do a podcast too. And then it's, of course, like, I can't tell you what the name is because it's really good. I was like, okay. You're what? Like, it, I'll take your word for it and shut the fuck up. And I'm like, what is it? So it's just like film, you know, or you go, well, what is it about? And they're like, well, um, it's about like artists and stuff. And like, I'm going to talk to these people. And I was like, but what is your podcast about? Like, you could just say cats or something. It just, mm -hmm. but she couldn't mm -hmm. um, put it into words. Mm -hmm. So, um, her performance was pretty bad, too. Also, she, it was like in um, Concord. Concord? Yeah. Really? And, because Lisa was like, where the fuck is she? Like, she had, she had taken, like, different live performances uh -huh. and just, like, edited them together. And then one was just, like, in some weird like dried up field and lisa was like, like i Hong thought Kong. this was she was like we're in san francisco and i was like it's not i can't pick this out and then later she's like oh you're in concord and i was like oh of course and lisa was like who the fuck are those people I was like i don't know man <laughs> like but apparently it's going to be a podcast now oh good um but my i guess my performance isn't on it oh. i mean that could be good but i actually don't know how to i don't know how to navigate twitch and uh, that's a elder lesbian moment for me. Um, I'm trying to think what was the, well, I guess plugging your film, like where, so what, how, you put it out on what? I put it out on, it's strictly on Vimeo, Vimeo on demand. If you have an older Roku or older Apple TV, you, there's an app that you can do it. If not, you just got to watch it on your desktop. Um, I did that completely for monetary reasons because it's easy to host and I get paid. I don't, I don't imagine this being in a festival or anything, but um, I'll more... I'm more than happy to take $2 for people to watch my movie. Are you going to leave it at that? 
at that yeah. in this form. It's yeah. just stay there. Yeah. I, I may change the cut and take out the Valentine's Day kind of opening for people, but um, yeah, just uh, the the album is available on vinyl, um, uh, limited edition, and it's on Spotify too. When did you? You're so on the album. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I I wasn't sure when you. So you asked about that. You were quite clear about the soundtrack mm-hmm. before you even started filming, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why did you? Why? Why is that? Did I, you always? I knew, knew it that way from the start. Yeah, I knew exactly what the, and I knew that music was going to be a big, big, big part of the movie. Was it as you're writing it, or when you're finished with the script that you saw or heard there's the scenes? T- there's two songs that exist in the script, and it's the Nervous Breakdowns play Romeo. And that's before I had even asked you. And for your is Coronation Room ends the movie. Wow. That's in the script. You, and then, uh, why did you ask me to do that? May I ask? Um, you know, when I, I was really inspired by like Adrian Lyne, uh, flash dance, like the idea that uh, I know this is a, the, this this term sucks, but like I was in the idea of a movie being an aesthetic in itself. You know how like uh, 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 flash dance is like the rip shirt and like fucking Irene Cara, and <laughs> you know what I mean. It's Hell a whole yeah. it's a whole vibe, That's and I and I wanted the soundtrack to be a whole vibe. And I said, I'm going to make a direct reference to Flashdance. So I'm going to have what song? And I looked at it, and I said, i got to cover one of these songs. And then I was like, fuck. The Nervous Breakdowns have to do Romeo. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, honored. Also that Thank you, you thought of me I, when I, you, I love it. you saw that. Um, happen and I and I knew I knew where it was going to come in and I didn't I didn't know that it, you were going to have that cool intro to it so it just like when I dropped it in the first time I just one of those art moments like I don't care if anybody else sees this I am so happy that the idea in my head is better outside than it is inside well that's the highest compliment when you have to do art for somebody else that's an artist and then try to tap into it right um and i did so many cuts mm-hmm. not so many cuts but just it was interesting because um not to be completely self-serving but it is a podcast but you were you approached it like an actor you were asking me questions that an actor would ask me on set which i thought was really interesting and uh a lot of the musicians did that too they were asking me about clear the intent um you know, what the end result was supposed to be, how it hangs in the whole story. They were very, very, um, they were very direct. All, ev- almost every artist did that. But you were one of the few who asked, act, asked me as if you were an actor, which I thought was interesting. I thought that I've never scored anything before. I don't, not really. I've just put things in that belonged, but never 
um, to reflect what's happening, which mm -hmm. that's not necessarily what you asked me to do, but then that's what I wanted to do because mm -hmm. I wanted it to, because clearly you had an idea why it should be where it is. Mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to know what your idea, mm -hmm. why that is too, without you telling me the entire script. And then you did, I think when I, I did like a few versions, mm -hmm. but like I couldn't find the voice of the, um, the character, mm -hmm. meaning the singer, because mm -hmm. then it became the, well, who is Donna Summer singing about? If when she's focused, I have to have my focus, sure. whether I'm in, whether I'm talking down to him or am him or see myself in him or that sort of thing. I assume that anyone uh, who, the only people listening to this are the people who saw the movie. Maybe not, but the idea that, I'll, I'll say it without a spoiler, the, the idea that the guy leaving the hotel room to go to the party is running from the hotel room to go to the party and that someone is singing He's a Romeo is, I thought it was a funny sequence. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you listen to the song and the lyrics, you're just like, okay, this guy's a Romeo? What the fuck? You know what I mean? So I, I was amused by it. So I don't know. I just make things to amuse myself. Um, the, <laughs> when the, I th and then the nervous breakdown thing that happens is like, it's not actually credited. Yes. As I think, there's a, I think there's a co copyright idea. I mean, sure, but it's just thing, yeah. funny that it's... Uh, Rome. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny because I used to cover B-52's Rome. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, I did, and it's pretty good. I have, it's like, I did it with Lisa, and I played, she played bass on it. Um, it, was, it was a good cover, so it's just funny because it's like, it's the Nervous Breakdowns doing Rome, not to be confused with Rome, <laughs> But to be confused with Romeo by Donna Summer. By Donna, by Donna Summer. Um, I almost, if I had the time or mm -hmm. could have gotten it together, I uh, I played around with playing that and alone on a guitar mm -hmm. for that music oh. thing. Um, you better have told me then. I didn't, but I didn't, but I. But I tried it out, and mm -hmm. I, I think it worked mm -hmm. the way I arranged it for mm -hmm. me and a guitar. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, one day I should cover it live. And I'm like, mm -hmm. whoa, when will I ever be able to play live music again? Well, we're hoping to do a record release party um, in the Bay Area. And in, in 2025? <laughs> yes, in 2025. <laughs> we're hoping to do a record release party, like a proper one, where you guys can all play. And then do a like a film screening party here in LA. On a screen. Yeah. Yeah, you should put this yeah. on. It has to be on a screen somewhere. I think I think it'd look good on a big screen. Oh, completely. It's uh, it's cinematic. Thank you. Um. What's your next script? Or are you writing it or directing it? Or are you doing both? Or are you repeating the process? Or I have one a, tat. I have a couple. It's it's funny. Any, any anyone involved is like okay, privacy too, man. Bunch of more weird shorts tied together. You know, one big story of like sex stuff and all that. And that's kind of that's kind of interesting. But I'd like the first one to do well enough for someone to care. Um, I have an idea that I'm going to do trailers, movie trailers for books that I enjoy in the movies 
I'm never going to do the full length. Like, that's the intention. I'm never going to do the full length, but I'm just going to shoot trailers as if it, it was an adaptation of books. Mm. Mm. I'm going to do that. And then I, I got a couple different scripts that I'm working on. And what are you going to do with the trailers? Just put them out? Just give them like away. I think, I think um, I'm going to hold back on a couple shorts and then uh, see if I could sell those, like, on a little package online. Is the 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 trailers as a means to get attention, like to court support? Like, you mean like if someone saw my music uh, for Chameleon's Truman Capote trailer? If someone said, "I love the trailer, I'll give you ten million dollars to make the movie," yeah, then I fuck yeah. That's what. But is that the intent, or is it just no? You just that would I be just a make good shit, man. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would I make shit? Why do you make shit? <laughs> because I, I'm trying to endure living. Um, well, I'm sure, you know, you could just tour Canada on your That's music. actually what I was going to do before COVID. <laughs> well, the, it was supposed to be a, a major release. Like it was going to be release, a major Yeah, we, we were going to win the Toronto Film Festival and... And um, you're going to go to, yeah, Tarantino would have loved it. Yeah, but it was going to play at the new Beverly the first night. Yeah. Um, I'm retouching on the stuff from last time that it, I'm oh, just going to okay. repurpose it. We went to the Margot Robbie Diner. Is that what it's called? That's the yes. official name of it, right? Yeah, the Margot Robbie. The MRD. Yeah, you took me there. Mm -hmm. um, it was amazing. But apparently it was something before... Uh, no Once one, upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, no one knows that anymore. <laughs> no one knows. And then, um, it's, yeah, and you're not a Tarantino fan. I, I mean, I'm 41, 42 years old. So, like, when I was a kid, you I, liked, did. I liked when he was first. Yeah, yeah I liked Pulp the Fiction early and stuff. Reservoir Dogs. And then, yeah, but you live in LA, so I just, I just, I, I, I you know, so I, after that film, I met, it seems I met direct. Him. Um, I worked on a film um, called Painted Black, and it's an Amber Tamblyn film. And uh, he was at the screening, and he has a 35 mil millimeter print of Sign of the Times. And I, I uh, you know, I'm a big Prince fan, so I went and asked him how he found it. And he, you know, act like I pissed on his leg or something. I would just like, as a collector, I was just wondering where he got it. And he just like all fucking aloof, and I know that Schumann's like says he's friendly and stuff, but I was just like, all right, fuck off, man. I'm just trying to like have a conversation about something we both have an interest in. Huh. I don't want to date you or anything, bro. Like, chill. Well, you're not Asian, you couldn't. So, <laughs> my feet aren't cute enough. <laughs> I met him, and it was great. But really, yeah, it might have been a different. I mean, maybe he's an asshole now, but maybe it was. Maybe it was homo tension. I don't know. If he had, mm -hmm. he, it, was it was your haircut. haircut. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And that, yeah, I don't. Oh, that was significant. That we saw also the, well, that film in particular, mm -hmm. like as you said, like Brad Pitt's in it. Yeah. And your take on Brad Pitt? Do you remember what you said? I, I'm sure no. you can say it. No, tell me. I think you just said. He's, I'm sure he's an attractive man, apparently, but 
he just plays Brad Pitt in every film. He is so Brad Pitt in every yeah, film. Yeah, it's true. I was thinking about it. He's playing the cowboy from Thelma and Louise. He's good at it. Yeah, he's a very but charming guy. But he's playing guy. Brad Pitt in every film. Yeah. Kind of like, well, no, I guess I was going to bring up Madonna, but I think Madonna just isn't good. and But she's playing herself. Mm-hmm. But she struggles with playing herself. Speaking of which... Madonna can't even play herself anymore. <laughs> can we talk about the rabbit hole you shoved me into? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The MTV uh, circa the MTV Awards 95 or 94? I, I don't remember the year, but I, I am astounded how that's not like... You know, there's certain videos like in the Academy of Motion Picture, like in the library. Well, yes, that definitely. But you know how, like, every once in a while, there's something from our generation to sound like an old fuck. (laughs) There's like, there's like something from our generation that becomes popular again, and then you're kind of like, what? Why are you dressing like CNC Music Factory? Everybody dance now. Like, no. Um, Every once in a while, something like that will be popular again. And uh, Sarah and I were watching um, the Madonna uh, meets Courtney Love, Kurt Loder interview from after the Music Awards. And I just think that that is some of the best performance art within pop culture, maybe of all time. Mm. Maybe of all time. Like if you think of like celebrity interactions in public on like a grand scale, I mean... Please, someone tell me a better interaction and, like, you know, showdown. Yeah. No. And, and from two different sex, not sex with the X, but CTS, and, 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 and icons from different parts of not only genre, but pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like, you have the 80s meeting the 90s, like, right there. And the brand. And, and it's like two brands. Mm-hmm. It was like two different. And uh, it's like they can't, these things can't coexist. <laughs> no. One must die. <laughs> of that, but it's, um, it's also. Hi, Courtney. That's Courtney, everybody's favorite. Come on up. <laughs> Should we let her come up? Yeah. No, don't, please. Come on, Courtney. Come on up. Courtney's coming up. What you doing? I'm I'm, am, I, am I fully interrupting? I'm no, no, no. Uh, like, we have some questions for you. Check out, check out Kurt's clothes. He's like a Donna Karen man. <laughs> Look, am I, I'm interrupting you, you know, and you guys are in a seat. I'm just feisty. I, I, okay. I don't mean to, like, you know, bump, bump, bump. Is this your first this encounter? Your thing, you know? No, 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 we've no, talked. No, we've had a few encounters. I disagree with the A&R guy a bit. But Alana's, there's some pipes. I'm, I'm so over the uh, rock star thing. But yeah. you don't even do rock stars. You, like, you dip, as Michael Stipe would say, dip into the population, right? Yeah. See, it's, it's like working in the hospital and like going out with the ambulance driver. Yeah. It's like, I want to be a surgeon. I want to be the top surgeon. Damn it, I want to own the hospital. So, you know, I go out with the other surgeon. Right? So, like, maybe I should try a candy striper. I think you should get out of the hospital. No, man. I like it in here. Nice clothes. Good money. <laughs> and a lot of available <laughs> A lot of available... Hey, yeah, the Elvis, the Elvis doctors. Yeah, right. I know them all. 
Anyway, so, so unless you uh, who's got about, Neil Wait, okay. who's got better shoes? You guys go back. My shoes are Charles Jordan, babe. Mine are, are Gucci. Be, I know they're right. Gucci. I like a good entrance. Wow. Was I bumming you out? Were you guys like talking astrophysics and stuff? Uh, I'm Madonna. Look, did I bum you out? Are you pissed at me? Swear to God. And someone's holding on, and someone's like newly hot. So she she has like you know, the fucking the gusto. She's just pushing the goods. And yeah, and one person's acting. Oh and yeah. And one is pushing. Is just just on brand, and the other one is just what? on. Um, I guess Madonna's on brand, but she's out of. Like you, we were talking about this earlier, but it was a loss of control. Like I, she was. I also think it was the first time Madonna ever looked old-fashioned. <laughs> it looked for the first time. You mean by looking at it now, or at that at that moment? moment. Okay, I yeah. think if even with young eyes, I remember watching it for the first time. It was, I was like, wow, like this is what Madonna would have done to insert female singer here you know like barbara streisand or some shit right you know what i mean that's that's how that would have played out and now fucking you know god love her it's just like she's just like i said in the car she's just outgunned yeah <laughs> she doesn't ha she just like it's just too much and over 20 years later even more just as much so even on mute if you just look at two of those, like where those women are in their mm -hmm. career, and I the choices, the choices that Courtney Love has mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. between acting or music, and mm -hmm. what Madonna has is a vastly different mm -hmm. now, but more apparent. But it, but actually, when you look at that, if you look closely at that, because uh, back then you're like, oh my god, this is crazy. But even the what seems to be a disaster. I mean, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Courtney Love fan, so I might mm -hmm. be biased. But even when you look at it from a distance, it still seems to me like the person with the most potential in this situation mm -hmm. is the person that's out of control or just seems yeah. to be losing it. Yeah. Like, if I had to put my money or if I were a producer of music or yeah. film, I'd be like, I want her. I want her in my film or something. I mean, no one looked at those two people. And it's not like culture pitting two strong women against each other. No. That, that was like a real thing. Uh, that, you know, um, if you looked at both of those people in this pop culture performance, real or not real, no one said, I bet Madonna has a new special thing next. No one thought that. Right. Because she didn't. Again, I, I love Madonna, but she didn't. When you saw Courtney Love, you're just like, I want her in a fucking Milos Forman movie. Like, yeah. I want her. I want her on the cover of every magazine. I want her. You know what I mean? You just want it more and more and more. So, I mean, game, set, match. Uh, point, uh, point for Courtney. Um, speaking of award ceremonies, did you? Are you aware of anything that happened with this COVID Grammys? All I know is like I know the weekend is upset that he boycotted it. But did anyone tell him that, like, his peers are the people that vote him in? So it's like, who? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when people read a conspiracy thing, and they're like, well, they don't want you to know that. And then you're like, oh, who's they? Right. Who's they? Like, you know they. 
Yeah. yeah. They're like, no, they. And you're like, yeah, but they is you. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no, there's no conspiracy here, man. That's all I know. And I didn't know the national guy writes with Taylor Swift. Oh, God, of course he does. So I just didn't, I just, I'm just out of the loop. You know, the the record we made, not to like go back to the plugging, like it's on vinyl, it's round, it makes noise. It has nothing to do with like that world at all. Mm. It's like you may go to the grocery store and you may find an orange next to this item in the produce section, but the two have nothing to do with one another. And I found that making this record was the happiest time I've ever made music. Oh, wow. Because I had no, I, I just, I was like, that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. None of that matters at all. And I really wish I would have thought that way when I was in my early and mid twenties, I probably would have been a happier person and enjoying it much more. I mean, would you say that's the, I mean, that's the difference in art. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. it's, I guess it's like why you do it mm -hmm. is the only difference between one artist to another or th those artists and those artists. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, beauty's wasted on the youth. I wish I knew what I knew then. The, uh, can you name anyone that was nominated for a Grammy other than The Weeknd in this? Well, he wasn't. That's why he was mad. Right. Uh, right. Uh, I couldn't tell you. Taylor Swift, I assume so. Beyonce, because everyone likes her. That's I can't. I could. I could not tell you. I know she won a Grammy, but I didn't think she put out a record this year. So I'm like super. I don't think you have to put out records anymore. So I. You know, if you told me they gave her a lifetime achievement award this year, Beyonce, I would say, oh okay, I'd believe you. I'm assuming that's what it was, but I wouldn't even I doubt it. But I couldn't name. I'm like. I mean, there's not even a Grammys. I mean, there's a COVID Grammy. I don't know. It's just. Even that world that I, I am not part of anyway seems like even less interesting mm -hmm. if I were into it. I just oh. don't know how it it it's stays afloat. It's shocking that being a rock star is like the most uncool thing you can be in pop culture. Yeah. You know, the moment you started reading like Indeed, Craigslist ads where it was like needed rock star accountant you're like it's a rap man <laughs> that is not what you want to be or needed rock star personal trainer what you know it's i don't i can't think of anything less cool yeah i i personally love seeking out ads to work as a bartender <laughs> or barista it's like looking for our next rock star bartender i was like, like totally me yeah. yeah so that means i'm gonna be late i'm gonna be unreliable <laughs> And I need a lot of money to do this job. Yeah. And here's my headshot. And here's my headshot. How are you going to seek out, I mean, after you do the trailers for your, your book thing, how are you funding all this? Or do you Work. have a, what's that? Work. Work. I do odd jobs. I do advertising. I do marketing. Uh, my friend, Kevin Sherman, who's, uh, He's, uh, I want to say he's a professor in film studies. He was a producer. He gave some money for this to be made. Uh, J.P. Braxton has a record label, and he helped put it out. Um, barring just partnerships and my friends and people who've liked my old art giving me money, giving meaning buying things, uh, that's how 
things are made. And it's going to take forever, but, you know, I'm not that good at begging, and I don't really make anything that everybody wants. All right, I guess I'm wrapping up this podcast. All right, that was good. I um, got to let Echo in anyway. Oh, God. I prevented a cat from frolicking. My next cat, um, I'm going to name her Lily Sobieski's poem. <laughs> Full name. My next cat's going to be named A Knight of Armor. I love it. All right, thanks, Nero. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> My brother, I love you. All friends and family, too. Safe for now. Glad to know I'm alive with all of you. Feel what is real. Feel later heal. One. One person feeling the same as all the rest. Please, let us act and do what is best.